There's this small Burmese restaurant on 8th Street called The Me. I've never been there, but for a long time, all I'd heard about it were these rave reviews. The Me opened in May of 2019, led by the mother-daughter team of Jocelyn Law Yon and Simone Jacobson. It's, I'm sorry, I'm kind of catching my breath because I've been having a lot of these conversations and I never know at which point it's going to kind of like push my emotional buttons. That's Simone. Growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, she never experienced or saw Burmese restaurants like the one she wanted to create. For a while, that restaurant was a dream, something she and her mom joked about as a get-rich-slow idea. But Simone, her mom, and her business partner Eric built a reputation for themselves in the Washington food world. In 2016, they opened a Faluda shop called Tolly Moly in Union Market, and that paved the way for the ultimate dream, the Me, a contemporary Burmese restaurant. In my lifetime, there was never a Burmese restaurant like the Me, where we play hip hop music, where we have a very sophisticated and curated cocktail program, where we have such a high standard of service, but still a casual environment. There is no place on earth like the Me. Critics loved it. The Me was Eater DC's restaurant of the year in 2019, and it was featured in the Washington Post's top 10 list. So by spring of 2020, things were going well. Awards and nominations were rolling in, and reservations were filling up. But one Sunday night in March, they were just wrapping up brunch service when everything changed. Yeah, um, so it was, <laughs> I don't think that I'll forget for my whole life. Um, we had gone out back, it was really nice out, and we were talking to our neighbors. And um, all of a sudden, you know, we started getting these like news alerts. The pandemic was starting to get a hold of the Washington region, and local officials were moving quickly to respond. No more bar seating at restaurants, and social distancing was now a requirement, not a suggestion. Simone and her team had to move fast. So we took out a tape measure, and we moved all the bar stools, which is 12 out of my 40 seats, and we started to measure six feet between each table. My restaurant is very long and narrow, and that left me with 10 seats. I could do quick math to say if I lost 75% of my seating, you know, is my business even viable? Simone and her team at The Me made the decision on that Sunday night to only accept reservations. That meant no walk-ups. But how could she run a business like this? How could she pay her employees like this? How could she pay rent? Even if your staff is just four people, there are very few restaurants that could survive with only 10 seats. So Simone picked up the phone. Like, first call is landlord. You know, I mean, it's our biggest expense, and he needs to know. This is Dish City. I'm Patrick Fort. And I'm Ruth Tam. We tell stories of city change through D.C.'s iconic foods. This season, that change is coming faster than we could have predicted, thanks to coronavirus. On the next two episodes, we're talking about rent. As the pandemic drags on, businesses are making a fraction of what they used to, but they still have to pay their landlords. If restaurants are going to survive, restaurant owners and their landlords have to figure out this part of the pandemic out. Because if rent stays the same, restaurants will close for good. But if rent gets canceled, how will landlords pay their mortgages? Today, we'll hear what this conversation sounds like from the perspective of one restaurant owner and her landlord.
That Sunday, as Simone looked out at her restaurant, she began to wonder if it was even possible for Thami to stay open with so few seats. But she didn't have to wonder about that for too long. D.C., like many U.S. cities, made the decision for her. That Sunday would be the last day anyone would dine in at the Me, at least for a while. Breaking news. All restaurants and bars in D.C. must stop serving sit-down meals in just a few hours. That's right. Mayor Muriel Bowser made that announcement. The day after Simone and her team went through the trouble of measuring out seating, making sure they were following new health guidelines, there were new rules in place. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser explained. We are making all bars and restaurants in Washington, D.C. grab and go, carry out, pick up, whatever you call it, only. Simone was faced with a choice, become a takeout spot or close. She chose the latter because it wasn't just customers' health that she had to worry about. She was worrying about her staff's health, too. She had to lay everyone off, including herself. We had a sort of goodbye for now party. Um, we took all the food out of the walk-in, and we basically made a makeshift grocery store. And I was, I was actually doing okay until that point. I had been on my computer, and my back was to sort of that area where they had set up tables, and I just, I just lost it. You know, and my, my business partner, Eric, he came over to me, and he was like, you know, everything's going to be okay. And I was like, you know, I know it's going to be okay, but I'm just, I'm so moved by, you know, like, how kind these people are and how much they look out for each other. Simone was proud of her team, but watching them close up shop was also devastating. They had worked so hard to get to this point and due to no fault of their own, now had to close down for an indefinite amount of time. To have to see its promise cut short right at the height of its momentum. I mean, we had started to double our sales overnight with the Beard nomination. After four years of, you know, selling faluda and small snacks out of a, you know, tiny stall to finally have our own restaurant home and then lose it, um, it's devastating. Those awards and that recognition the restaurant had received, all that was great, but would anyone remember Thami after the pandemic? It's like a bunch of tiny pushes to get a rock to the top of the hill and then the rock rolls back down, you don't have the time, energy, or effort to give it one giant push to go back up. It just doesn't work that way. So I don't know, you know, when we reopen, are we starting at zero, right? Does our name mean anything anymore? Are people going to go to French and Italian restaurants because that's comfort to them? It's a fear that I have that will be forgotten. But as Simone was dealing with the emotional toll of the coronavirus, she had more decisions to make. If the me couldn't bring in a profit, it was time to look to their expenses. And one of the biggest ones is rent. I mean, it's it's like kind of blurry, but I knew right away I was, I, I just like, my brain went into just, I don't know, autopilot. Like first call is landlord. You know, I mean, it's our biggest expense and he needs to know. Also, I we have an amazing relationship with our landlord. He's always been incredibly kind to us. And so, I wanted to just, you know, one, check on him and his family and see if he was kind of aware because, you know, he's not a restaurateur. You know, he said to me, Simone, we'll, we're family. We'll figure it out. Thinking about telling my landlord I can't pay my rent, it freaks me out so much. How did that conversation go for Simone? That's after the break. For every restaurant that's closed right now, there's a landlord who needs to collect rent and pay the mortgage. For Simone, that landlord is Sam Chung, 
When we reached out to Sam, he wanted us to speak with his daughter, Jane Diamond, who's helping him manage this property. My name is Jane Diamond. I am actually working with my father. I've started recently in the past month, month and a half, started working with him to um, eventually get into the family business of managing his properties. Jane's father, Sam, has invested in four commercial properties in the Washington region, and Simone has been a tenant of his for at least a year. I don't know how Simone and my father got introduced to each other, whether it's through um, an agent or word of mouth or whatever it might be. Um, but I do remember when my dad told me that he had met a tenant. I know there was something there on my father's side that said, okay, this is a tenant that I trust. I remember him saying, you know, he was excited about um, this new tenant coming in. Although Simone and Jane's dad hadn't been in business for that long, they knew the strength of their relationship was going to be a key to surviving the pandemic. I just remember her emails just saying, we're shut down. Like, right now there's nothing going. Like, we are not getting any direction. There is no clarity. So let's talk about how to deal with April and May rents. The first phone call that I had with him I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to pay the rent. And he said, don't worry, we'll figure it out. My father sat down and said, okay, clearly this is an unprecedented situation. They're taking a hit. We need to kind of share where we can um, to help make sure that we weather through the storm to for them to um, figure out what worked on their end and what worked on our end, just given what we knew, which wasn't a lot. He said to me, Simone, we'll, we're family. We'll figure it out. And it was like, it was never a no. For my father, his priority is to pay his mortgage and to pay it on time. So we figured out a way to uh, work with Simone where we would use her, the security deposit that they had already uh, given us prior to when they, you know, sign the lease agreement and put that towards the rent for the time being. That way, at least my father was able to have money for it to pay the mortgage, but there was no outgoing cash on Simone's team's part. And that was kind of a quick band-aid that we put on for the months of April and May. Maybe within an hour or so, we had a second phone call, put everything in writing, and it was you know an immediate, don't worry about uh, April and May. Um, it was just very reasonable and logical. And, um, and so that just gave us room to breathe and to think. We talked to other restaurant owners and this isn't normal to say, hey, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And not just for one month, but for two. I still can't believe it. And I don't know that Simone could believe it either. We have an expression in Burmese that is anai, which is like, my soul feels the weight of being or not being worthy of a certain kindness. It's like very difficult to translate, but essentially it's like when you're just sort of overwhelmed by someone's kindness and you you don't want to accept. On the one hand, the business side of me knew that that was what we needed. And on the other hand, the personal side of me felt just overwhelmed with gratitude. And we've been in constant communication with the landlord ever since then that, um, and just really making him aware that he is so rare. But just because Simone and her team got a much needed break for April and May, it didn't mean that all her financial obligations were all the way canceled. 
as the pandemic stretched on into June, and even though society was starting to kind of reopen, it was clear there was no going back to normal, at least not anytime soon. Here's Jane. At the time, we were hoping it was just going to be a month or two. We, you know, we obviously didn't know it was going to last this long and go into, into June. As an act of good faith, Simone and her team paid rent for June. She still wasn't making any money, but she wanted to show her landlords, Jane and Sam, that she was here to work with them. Even if the me reopened and served takeout, even if they could seat people at tables, and even if things were as close to the old normal as possible, would diners even feel safe inside a restaurant? There was no guarantee that they could make rent. Simone needed to call her landlord again. It was time to head back to the negotiating table. At this point, it's pretty simple. We need a percentage rent. There is no other way. Percentage rent says, we'll pay you a percentage of our sales. Um, And the thinking behind that is just that we share the risk and the rewards. Some asks have been, you know, re-looking at how rent is paid out. You know, right now it's a set fixed amount. We've talked about doing more of a sliding scale, you know, thinking about, okay, if sales are affected, can we do a percentage of sales to equal rent? Simone and her team have come to us and said, hey, this is what our ideal scenario would be. In my experience, you know, I've been working in restaurants for 20 something years. Um, If your rent is hovering above 9%, like you're in a danger zone. I think that we would all be willing to look at that historical data and say, okay, what were, what percentage of your sales was the rent? And then let's, let's try to get it closer to that. Right. And that, if your percentage was around, you know, 7%, then let's, let's set it at 7% for the next three years and let's review it from time to time and see where we're at. We came back to them and said, okay, we understand you guys, here's our, our perspective. And this is what we think is a good compromise. There are other things that were asked for in terms of um, addressing property tax, but the only one my dad, I think right now feels comfortable in what he can do is really addressing the rent perspective of how much is paid each month. I don't want my landlord to lose if I win, right? I want I want mutually beneficial agreements with anyone who does business with us. And that's always been incredibly important to me. And so, you know, we should all be sort of flexible in a way that we're not used to being. Something that we're gonna we're gonna see coming out of this is that uh, guests have a better understanding. Wow, you know, restaurants closed and all of a sudden GoFundMe's went up the next day because they couldn't even make it a week. They couldn't make it, you know, another day without income, right? I had to make the painful decision to lay off my entire staff. I had 24 hours to make that decision. And that includes me. There is no mysterious money bucket that you've been holding to the side if you can't work out something with your landlord. I mean, I honestly don't know what we would have done if my landlord had said no. Simone and Jane are negotiating right now. After good faith efforts on both of their parts, will it be enough to settle on a solution they both feel good about? We'll get an update from Simone and Jane next week. I'm becoming like a little junior lawyer, which I never also set out to be, but you know, we're all trying to figure out together. None of us are stupid, um, but none of us are legal or financial experts either. I don't even know what's gonna happen in five months, let alone in three years. So there has to be a balance for me. And what does this whole process look like if you don't get along with your landlord? 
We'll talk to other restaurant owners, real estate experts, and more. Dish City is produced by me, Patrick Fort. And me, Ruth Tam. Our editor is Ponzi Rutch, and our theme music is by Daniel Peterschmidt. Mike Kidd makes this show. WAMU's general manager is JJ Yor, and Mana Kashfi oversees all the content we make here. If you want to talk to us online, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dish City, and our email is dishcity at wamu.org. If you love Dish City, tell a friend and review us in your podcast app. It'll help listeners like you find our show. Make sure you subscribe so you can hear part two of this episode about paying the rent. See you next Thursday. Later. Later.